so you know, we just recorded half the podcast and Dave hadn't pressed record. I'm not a technical person. I'm an to RP class. class. My name's Nellie Thomas. I'm Shane Lang. I'm Dave O'Neill. Sorry about that. And we have a guest. <laughs> we are joined by our special guest, Dr. Stephen Roberts, actually Associate Professor Stephen Roberts from and, Monash University. And we can cut out a lot of the talk about madness that I had in there. <laughs> Thank Boring God, because I was so bored. Welcome, Steve. Thanks. Hello. Now, sorry about that. Now, we have a quiz that we do where we just ask questions to establish your working class credibility. And the reason for that, in which, in fact, it's good that we're re-recording because we don't have... Any guests on who do not have a middle, do not have a working class background, because so we you think there's enough pass, space. You get kicked out. Yeah. That's right. If you don't pass, at the door. Goodbye. No, wait. Oh, we God. just never air the podcast. All right, Shane Lang, go. Um, did you go to a public school? I went to a state school, a grammar school, but definitely a public school. So grammar school would that be like Melbourne High? Would that be the it's a select? No, not select even that. Entry. Select entry. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, all over England, aren't they? Like a no, they're, they're concentrated in the southeast, actually, where oh. I was. Most of them were there. The um, Labor government got rid of most of them in the seventies um, and eighties, and there's a few. The Labor government got rid of them. Yeah, because they're elitist. Yeah. Uh, no, no, uh, yeah, because they were a little bit elitist, yeah. The idea is that they are supposed to help working class kids, but the research has always shown us that they actually make, just like my experience, make you feel shit when you're a working class person. Yeah, right. Oh, we'll come thing. back to that. We'll come yeah. back to that. All right, so, but we'll give it a win. Have, have you ever worked in a factory shop or building site? Yes, shops, plenty of high street, Tesco, Marks and Spencer. And so I was going to read your mind and pretend I was reading your <laughs> mind, but I reckon looking at you, you've worked in a field... <laughs> You also pick strawberries, yes. strawberries. Yeah. Mm. You look like yes. a strawberry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love those hands for it. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Was your first car bought second hand and did you buy it with your own money? Yes and yes. Yes, and we, we established that it was two hundred and seventy pounds, which yes. would be about five hundred bucks and That's it was right. a car none of us had heard of. That's oh, right. Yeah. Austin Maestro. Oh, Maestro. Austin Martin. Austin, Austin Martin is like saying James Bond would be. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Okay, three out of three. Was your 21st in a family chain restaurant, a free venue, backyard, or a fa- barn? Sorry, my eyesight's great. Family home inside the house. It was in October, late October in the winter. So cold. Was, uh, cold. Yeah, so we're going, house. you don't have a backyard most yeah. likely. Yeah. So we'll call that a yes. Right. Does uh, England have the equivalent of smorgies? Have you had a smorgies experience? Or all you can eat restaurant. Oh, yeah. All yeah. you can eat restaurant. What's our Sizzler? That's where I had my 21st. Do you know Sizzler? Oh, my yeah. God. Sizzler is still in Queensland. <laughs> Sizzler, you yeah. get like all you can eat soft serve ice cream. That sounds amazing. You know all you can eat places still, I, even even now, allegedly, you know, social socially mobile, I still want all you can eat as much as often. Yeah, yeah, I'm all about yeah. quantity, not quality. Um, have you have you or a close fam- family member ever kept birds in the house? <laughs> like uh, I, I have not, but I'm pretty sure various like grandma auntie uncles these kinds of people what have they got budgies budgies mainly Does but i had an uncle i have an uncle though, who um, England? yeah yeah yeah. i think but like one or two like make, when you say birds i'm imagining yeah, like two. just birds no. flying around the house yeah, one or two. And, <laughs> yeah just one or two in a cage yeah 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 it's because you wouldn't in a posh house in australia you wouldn't have birds Never. No, you had yeah you had an uncle that what uh, uncle had a, an Avery in the back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, paid, paid. Class. All right, that's five uh, out of five. Yeah, that's awesome. We don't need to go on. You are a welcome guest. <laughs> Whee! Yay! Very pleased. Come welcome. back and talk about you more. Yeah. But first, we have to catch up on our week and mm. the homework and feel free to, Join to in. weigh right. in. Dave O'Neill, how was your week? Yeah, good. Just did a lot of stand-up gigs. Were you pilot aired? I'm a pilot aired, yes. Yeah. That, that's right. That's uh, called Dave and it's on 10 Play. Have a look. And so... Just waiting to get the decision from Channel Ten because they're choosing one out of. Oh, but how do we? How can we one? even vote for it? I uh, just go to Ten Play. Just and it's, you can tweet vote about there. it. 
You vote there. So you, you literally, so they're, they're, I mean, I'm going to call this and say, I think this is an illusion. Are they just going to choose the ones they like? Yes. Is this just bullshit? <laughs> no, they would they would take it into consideration. So we should all, tw- all hundred of us yeah, listening yeah, now. Yeah, 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 our listeners. <laughs> Hashtag Dave. We should, we should vote. Yeah, that's right. Because, yeah, and they, they take notice of social media. They de- Networks react to social media. Yeah. They sack people because of social media. So, yeah, yeah definitely. Because they're not very bright. So, um, Dave was the name of the pilot, and yeah. it's basically a, a variation sitcom. about... It's sort of your life. My life. It is my life, yeah. Not quite exactly. But, but similar. Similar well, to Well, I had life. a different wife. She was an actress. Yeah. <laughs> so, people did think it was my actual wife. And well, Geraldine Hickey's not that annoying. And, yeah, she, yeah, she plays someone who's a little bit special, <laughs> but she does a great job, yeah. In Do the vein know- of Louis, who, uh, who made a return to... Comedy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, Louis, yeah, Louis C.K., yeah, that's well, interesting. Well, that, that, that was going to be my week, because I'm what? gutted. What? I'm gutted by the, the Louis... I mean, first of all, I was a huge fan of Louis C.K., but to see not just the fact that he strolled back on stage after confessing... I mean, it's not... These aren't allegations. He has... Oh, no, he did it. He, he's, he did it, and he says he did it, including not just sexually harassing, but, you know, to the point of masturbating in front of mm. his colleagues. Like it's Blocking the doorway, really I think, intense. the term. He, he, he would block the doorway so they couldn't leave. But not only did he stroll back into work after, like, a nine-month vacay, he got a standing ovation before he It wasn't he standing, spoke. apparently. It was just a, an ovation. Well, we got an ovation. <laughs> Sweet. And then so many of our colleagues, Dave, I'm t- looking at you, but so many of our colleagues have gone, oh, you know, he served his... Not not that you said this, but no. in our industry. He hasn't even apologised, right? He, he hasn't served even said his the word time. Sorry. I'm like, he served no time. Did he not apologise? Well, I thought he did apologise. No. no, no, no. He didn't actually use no. the word sorry. Well, interesting. Look at look at uh, Wayne Carey. Like, do we have to? The footballer. It comes to mind because I did a debate, debate with him last week. Yeah. And I had a go at him. Did you? Oh, yeah. I uh. just... I slammed him. About what? Steve about won't his, know the background okay, he's of this. He's a very famous footballer, possibly one of the best footballers Australia's ever produced, from mm. Wagga, Wagga originally. Mm. And um, he's had a series of uh, events. He's been charged with stuff. and All stuff. misogyny related. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I just said to him, what can I say that the courts haven't said already, <laughs> Wayne? And then I listed some of the stuff he'd done. Did you? Oh, yeah. What did you say? What did you say? his reaction? <laughs> The audience loved it because yeah, I did it in a funny way. Yeah, but I said I don't know whether you're going to grab my breasts because he had a yeah. and he, he grabbed a girl's breasts and said they're not big enough in a nightclub. Or, or I said or, or I don't know whether you're going to try and uh, which is a sexual assault. Mm. Yeah, or have um, there was another one where he had uh, intercourse with one of his teammates' wives in a toilet at a barbecue, mm. and I insinuated that. So, were you uh, were you nervous going back to your car? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he could take you. Oh, yeah, he's a very fit, big man. Yeah, yeah. Well, he probably didn't like that then, huh, that you were roasting him and... Uh... No, I don't... Oh, no, no. he was laughing, but, yeah, they don't like yeah. it. Because also, most comedians are in love with football. Most male yeah. comedians are in love... And I'm not, and so I, I just take the piss you out of them. don't have the reverence. I don't have the reverence. <laughs> if it was an 80s rock star, I wouldn't have said that. Yeah. Right? That was me. Do you know what? Seriously, this is one of the things that made me, like, genuinely upset about it, because... Whenever something happens in your own community, like I don't care if you're Catholic and it's a priest or if you're, you know, I don't know, if, you, if you're in comedy and it's another comedian, you tend to downplay it. And this mm. is exactly why abuse continues. Yeah. You know, to kind of say, I'm not saying Louis C.K. should be, you know, up for a capital murder, 
But to be able to waltz back into our industry yeah. and have particularly male comedians who I love just going, go, yeah. oh, well, he's done, you know, he served his time. He served fuck all. No, he, did he didn't nothing. serve anything. There was no, no punishment. So, so should I not? Should I cancel those tickets to Bill Cosby that I bought? You oh, should. That's a bad joke. You should. Oh, he, kept, he kept doing gigs. It would have been if it was a joke. He yeah. kept doing gigs. <laughs> yeah, totally. Until he got so harassed at them that he stopped doing them. Apparently. Uh I don't know. I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's true. Oh, I think occasionally people would yell out stuff. And, occasionally, yeah, okay. but that is also part of comedy. To be fair, yes. I mean, we all stuff. get heckled. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, so I genuinely found that, especially because he's also a working class boy, mm. I oh, genuinely found yeah. that really upsetting. Yeah, the only real um, feedback was on Twitter, I think. Oh where yeah, people and were collectively outraged, but well, some were, but there was also plenty of oh come on, let him have it. Everyone gets like redemption narrative, and you go, yeah, I believe in redemption too. People have to be able to change, but where's a genuine apology? Where's the consequence? The women who he assaulted, harassed, whatever we want to call it, are still dealing with it. Yeah, there was there was definitely more he could have done. Oh, shitload more. Um, anyway, whatever. Your week? My week was good. Um, yeah, my, we had homework. You oh, know? you jumped. See, Shane doesn't like it. So I'm aware we've we got a guest. Yeah, he doesn't like it. Do you want me to put fingers in yeah. my ears and let me out of the way? <laughs> I promise not to be one of the he hundred people that to, listens. He like, doesn't want to wear his feelings. Oh. No, that's that's not the case. All right, come on then. Homework. <laughs> homework. Yeah, we, we were asked to follow up um, menu log and what yep. their delivery policy was. What is and it? it is a combination of both poorly paid delivery workers mm-hmm. and people who deliver from the restaurant. So. Oh, okay. So oh. they do have some of their own deliveries. Yep. Menu log. And I was I think my time Which was makes Uber Eats. Better, better than Uber Eats. Which Uber Eats is purely just people being poorly paid to deliver food. So hang on, menu log have that means salaried delivery people yeah, as if well the as place you're, place you're ordering from has a delivery person that's who will deliver your food. Okay, so it's slightly better but still precarious better than and badly Uber paid. Eats. And mm-hmm. I reckon Steve will probably know more about this than any uh, of us. My, my guess is that they probably is a lot of off the books. Poor pay yeah, as well, cash, cash, cash in hands, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In short, the yeah. workers will be getting shafted. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, at every opportunity. Do we have anything else from our last fortnight to I tell think our so. wonderful listeners? Oh, mm. some of them took um, upon board our suggestion of their homework, which was to like us and do the thing on iTunes. Oh, did they? Did there were reviews? some reviews. Wow. Well done to you people. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, thank they you. Were positive. Good they reviews, were positive. Yeah. <laughs> they were positive. Um, so should we move to our lovely guest? Yeah, why don't we? He's right here. Yeah. Let's start with your. So you're in sociology, Steve, yep, but right. you're, you've got a particular interest in class and masculinity. Yep. So what's what's that about? <laughs> what my interest? What's up with the, that? What's up with that? <laughs> How'd you get into that? So, well, I kind of um, fell into being an academic because if you can fall into that kind of stuff, no, you can. You, you can, right? Yeah. Don't so you were a smart kid, and they went, "Hey, keep going." Well. Not quite. I went, oh. So I went to a grammar school. Yep. Like I went to a selective school when I was uh, 11. So from um, primary school, someone tagged you as smart? Do you know what? Um, my mum tagged me as smart mm-hmm. and she um, put me in front of a uh, review panel, basically. So I was like borderline smart, wasn't classified <laughs> as smart. Working right. class, not quite smart enough. You had potential. Yeah. So Don't be too she, smart. She went to this, she put me in front of this appeals board. So I was like, you know, one mark below the select entry score and, and it pushed me through. Um, but I had a terrible time um, at grammar school, actually. I found it really difficult. And uh, it was my first real exposure to proper class differences. Now, Australians probably don't, won't make no sense of this, but um, 
when kids had access to a horse where I was from, that's strange. That's weird, you know? Oh, like, no, that's totally that's strange here. Yeah, okay, that's strange, yeah. I, have this, I have this impression yeah. Aussies all like no, 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 out no. back no. riding their horses It was the wild only clubs at school, but you had to yeah. pay a lot of money. But people that generally have access to horses are wealthier. Equestrian. Yeah. Yeah. I knew lots of people who had horses. Well, unless you live in the country, you yeah, get well, I kind of live Where you live, you know, it's like mini bikes, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Like mini bikes and horses. Girls had horses, boys had motorbikes. Yeah. In the city... If you had access to horses, you'd most likely yeah, moneyed. Money. Yeah, most likely. Definitely. Yeah. So moneyed is probably a better way of thinking about it. Most of the kids I went to school with were relatively moneyed compared to me. So I, I had a hard time. Like, it was difficult. The culture was difficult. The language was different. I got mocked because of my accent. Um, you know, it wasn't... See, it wasn't you're, I mean, harsh, again, this is hard from me, from an Australian point of view, but yeah. I hear your accent and I don't... I can't place it class-wise, mm. but obviously the kids you went to school with... It's could. different now as it well. It would have been a lot different back then. Yeah, like it's... I um your accent or the yeah no situation? my accent I think the situation's the same my accent is different though and it like develops over time so um you know I'm a bit of a social chameleon I think as well so you just become the people that you're around a little bit and that didn't happen until after I left school but um, when I went to university and started hanging around with people that speak the I went to Kent Uni it was my local yeah local uni but there'd still be um, quite a like the unis we went to there'd still be a fair line of posh people yeah yeah yeah, yeah. for sure so yeah. when you went to grammar school and most of the kids were from middle class or yeah. you know wealthier backgrounds what like what's the feeling for you when you say i found it tough like mm. what what did you find tough how did it feel uh, everything felt shit to be honest so i didn't want to go to school like my attendance rate from end of my first year right the way through to being 16 which in those days was when you were allowed to leave school um was pretty bad um I wasn't, I wasn't like bullied, like people didn't harass me, but people would make remarks about my, um, yeah, about my accent, about like not having new shoes, like this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, like, oh, but then like being mocked like by the old, yeah, absolutely. So that sense of like not belonging is really there. And so you just feel like an other on some, <laughs> some level. Even you, when you're a kid, right? It's a really shit feeling. To yeah, feel it's, like it's actually yeah. really, it's, it's reminding me of Christos Cholka's book, Barracuda, which is all about this and you should read mm-hmm. um, in an Australian context. But it also, I've often thought to myself, I went to a pretty like rudimentary country school, you know, where we didn't have, you know, we had first year out teachers and we had no resources and blah, blah, blah. But in a way, I'm grateful for it because I think I was one of the smart kids in a small school. Mm. Like I was a big fish in a little yeah, pond. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, so I wasn't there until I went to uni. I wasn't the fish out of water. Yeah. Like I wonder, you automatically think I'd be great to get a scholarship and go to a private school. I think I would have drowned. Yeah, I, I, no, I did drown. So I was second bottom of my year every year. And then I left the school. And instead of doing the equivalent of your VCE at the school, I went to a community college instead because the school didn't even ask me to stay. They didn't give me any information mm. about staying. I was so at the door. It wasn't it was even from a the staff kid, as well you know? that you felt that. From the teachers as well that you felt. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. God, you know, yeah. Teachers were um, quite dismissive. I think, and even if they weren't dismissive, they would say stuff that just that didn't make any sense to me. So mm. like, you know, you're the top 20% of the country. You're the future leaders of the country. I'm from a like mining community background. This kind of arrogance and stuff didn't make any sense to me mm-hmm. at all. So their entitlement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> entitlement was is profound. And then how was uni? So I didn't go to. Can uni I just ask I was, before we yeah, get to on. uni that because I know you're a new dad. Yeah. Would you send your son oh, to no. a private school? Good question. We have this chat already, of course. Yeah, so yeah. Baby's like 14 weeks old, and we're already planning his whole future. <laughs> um, and we do talk about it. I mean. I want to forgive myself and say in the Australian context, it seems to be a little bit more normal. Like, so in England, only seven or eight percent of schools are proper private fee paying schools. Over here, I think it's a lot more, right? And even Catholic schools. 30%. Yeah. 
<laughs> so in short, I, I feel um, politically it's uh, a tension, I guess, for me. But um, I want my son to have the best chance in life as well. And I know the, the stat, what the stats say, you go to the best schools, you're probably going to get the best jobs. And you know what, actually, public school, so. we do. And in Australia, the, and this might be quite different to the UK, but the stats don't show any difference in outcome. So yeah. there'll be certainly difference in terms of networks, yeah. you know, and that's yeah. all that social mobility stuff yeah, because yeah, obviously yeah. when you're around rich people, you yeah. tend to meet more rich people. Yeah. Um, but in terms of um, your actual, is it ATAR scores or whatever they call yeah, it now? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't help. Yeah. You're right. yeah. And, well, no, yeah. they did a, and they found out that the private school kids go to like Melbourne Uni and Sydney Uni, but they all end up in the same jobs as the government school kids. So the government you school know, kids will go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They'll go to different unis, you know what I mean? Like, mm. yeah, I mean, I went to Melbourne for one year. It was dominated by private school kids. Mm. So Yeah, absolutely. And it's really elitism. Yeah. But then they all end up the same, apparently, the same wages. But well, we'll get a, you back on. Yeah. We'll get yeah. when, come, when he's, come when back he's closer. I'm cynical about that. Yeah, you know? yeah. But, but if, you want, if you want to be a lawyer... When he's closer, what, that in... How old is your son? Yeah, he's 14 <laughs> weeks old. Yeah, 10 years or something. This is yeah. 20 years when he's podcast. graduating. Then. Us three have got nothing else to do. also depends where you live in, in Australia. What, what, you know schools. what, I will say, because I am, and so I know you two are as well, we are all vehemently anti-sending um, kids to private school. But yeah. I will say that I do find... That is very easy to say if you live close to a great public school. Yeah. Mm. And a lot of people who are talking about it, and this is not the case with us, but are like right next to Northcote High mm. or actually near Princess Hill yeah. or which are the equivalent. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's a different thing if you're near a really, really, and I'm not going to name any because they're, they're doing their best, but if you're near a really rough oh, yeah. school yeah, yeah. where not many of the kids graduate. These are class processes, though, yeah. right? So working-class people live in areas where there's less investment and the worst yeah. schools are, and middle-class people yeah. pick up and move sticks if they, yeah. if they need to. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's right. You do. Yeah. And, that, and a lot of the people, yeah. like, banging on about it do pick up and move Toward uni high or something. Oh, my yeah. kids are still at yeah. public school. Yeah, because yeah, you bought a house in Carlton. Yeah. Like, seriously, yeah. get off your high horse. Yeah, yeah. You're less likely to be true to your politics, though, when your kids' education's at stake, I guess. Yes. Hey, oh, Lang. Mic drop. And look at ladies' politicians where they send their kids. Yeah, well, maybe that could be homework. Oh, yeah, but it's really hard to find out. Shane Lang, that's awesome. your homework. Go on their Facebook page, you might see it there. Um, I just wanted to say one quick thing about yeah. wages and stuff. So I'm a bit cynical about like where people end up and what kind of wages they get. And um, the, I'm currently doing research which tracks people over time and shows if you end up in class one, so if you're socially mobile from the, the lowest social class as it were and you end up in the top one, you still suffer a wage penalty versus if you... Yeah born into class one and stay in class one. So you might still be a lawyer, but you're, let, you're, you're still a wage penalty. And this, my theory, tell me if I'm wrong, my theory on that's the same as the gender pay gap to some degree. It's both judgment from without because they can tell your accent mm-hmm. and, you know, they'll place you mm-hmm. class-wise. But also there's a confidence issue. Absolutely. Like a working class kid is yeah. very unlikely to walk in, at, say in and our case, to yeah. and demand a really high price for yeah. a gig. Entitlement, again, you know, I think that's really crucial to the whole And discussion. also you'd assume that working class lawyers would be more likely to take up with a left-wing firm or legal aid where there's less pay. Yeah, or maybe they got yeah they might work for unions yeah. or but although having said that there's plenty of working class kids who make money and and don't yeah. um, they aren't left wing but yeah. they're all in yeah. trades. Trades. <laughs> yeah, trades. Anyway, going back to you. So when you get to uni, you've already mm. had this experience of going through yeah. what we think of as a select entry school. Yeah. Found yeah. it hard. 
So I had a massive gap though. Like I didn't go to uni till I was nearly 25. So, oh, so what happened? Yeah. So I um, left school. I went to do my A-levels at a community college. Did Carried on doing terribly. And uh, basically I was the, the guy at college that went to the pub with everyone else when they wanted to skip a lesson. So I ended up yes. missing loads of lessons. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so my investment in my education was basically zero. Um, pretty much failed my exams and then... And what's your mum saying through all this? Because she's <laughs> pegged you as this is the boy who's yeah. going to change the course of history. <laughs> you know what, she was, she was great in a way because she didn't ever put any pressure on me. She was just very mm. much, you know, you do what makes you happy. Like she wanted to give me the opportunities and... What, getting pissed at the pub? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 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 Cool. Good role model, I think. So she's, she's probably days. going, he'll, like, he'll work it out. Yeah, but you know, the other thing is about being working class and come from a background where the education wasn't the norm um, especially mm. like post compulsory education wasn't the norm she doesn't know she doesn't, no, she doesn't that's know what, it. it's, what it's supposed True. to look like totally. I try to go to school like, and she wouldn't challenge me on that kind of no. stuff because she, she doesn't know any better but it's all, so true but yeah. when I did HSC year 12 my parents had, didn't do it of course they didn't do year 12 and they didn't know that we should have been studying when we were just playing oh, all homework the time. Yeah. my mum would say that but she'd go why are you doing so much homework <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my par- neither of my parents went past year 9 so mm. no, and, and when you're like even the idea of going to uni and we've talked about this before where friends of mine who were doing arts would then be under a lot of pressure to do law for example because that's the middle class expectation mm. my parents literally my nana thought I was a painter yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. They're, like, they're not there going, <laughs> arts, they're not there going, oh, well, are you thinking of transferring? Like, they're just like, she's at uni. Yeah. You're yeah, like, we're sure. all good. The next Monet. That's right. <laughs> we're not good now because I didn't get a job, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, how, when you, so you go through community college, yeah. how do you, because you're a bloody professor, like, yeah. get us from there to, you it's know, a PhD. Funny, it's a funny journey, huh? Like, um, so I spent, then that's when my shop years. So when I was doing my community college years, I was also working part-time in a shop and I started like enjoying the what are actually pretty shitty wages, but I had money. I'm working money, class yeah. like that. The, mm. the money was important to me to help me live and help me have a lifestyle that was similar to some of the other people. I mean, just hanging out and drinking money and stuff. So that became a priority and then um, ended up getting kind of like supervisory jobs and then management jobs. And then for the next eight years, I guess, so from 18 to 24, I was working in yeah like high street retail jobs and then um i did something quite crazy actually i bought a house when i was in when i was 23 um whoa i bought an old council house and um it was like an old public house yeah and it was so it was super cheap in in the area that i was um brought up and then not many people were buying houses there of course because it was an an old mining community and stuff so I, i bought the house and then um started renting out a room, become like super, super right wing at that point, renting out rooms to people. But then one of the guys that I lived with was gonna to go to uni. He'd, he gave up a, um, a really good paying job and then was like, oh, I'm going to uni. I was like, oh, what's that about? So just like heard oh, for this wow. process of this is what, and then I had a friend of a friend who's now my best mate actually, but he'd done something similar. He was in his twenties and he'd gone yeah. to uni and he was a couple of years ahead of me in that respect. So I've been hearing about this stuff. And then I was like, yeah. Like so you're it, always curious. You're curious, curious, yeah. And then became more, more curious, I think. In a funny way, but it was because um, when I worked in high street retail, a lot of my staff were students as well. Mm. So I'd like listen to their lifestyle and have interesting conversations with them. Like, I feel like I could do that. Yeah. Well, and joining the dots up with the private school um, argument, whether consciously or not, I think that's part of the, the pool in Australia to send kids to private schools that you'll be surrounded by other kids who are aspirational, mm-hmm. you know, who have the quote-unquote middle-class values of yeah. you'll go to uni, you'll get yeah. a, a white-collar job, you'll, whereas if you're around the rough 
yeah. rough heads, you might well, you end come up doing... in the cemetery and drink, <laughs> yeah. some, try and drink some wine. <laughs> hey, let's not pretend those posh kids don't do that as well, though. Yeah, of oh, 100%. <laughs> Better drugs. So then you go to uni, you must flourish if you end up doing a PhD. Yeah, I like, and um, I always think to myself that my investment in education started that first day. Like, uh, I had a really... Op- eye-opening experience and and I was good at it I just didn't Mm. understand all of a sudden I got remember getting my marks back for the first time again like no history of education no one's been to university in my family um almost still only a couple of them have now and that includes extended family but I got my first essay back I was looking at the number and I'm like what does that even mean actually it turned out it was a good mark and then from then on Mm. I can do this and had totally different confidence to when I was you know 18 16 18 or whatever and how do you given your area of uh, one of your areas of research is on masculinity in class. How mm. do the the guys you went to school with at this point, like mm. Steve's gone and he's you know taken the path that we understand. Yeah. Now he's gone to uni to become a professor. Do yeah. they like that? Do they are they neutral? Do they give you shit? What happens? No, I think they're fairly neutral. Like sometimes they do call me professor, especially like online and stuff. They're like whatever professor, and we don't argue about stuff. <laughs> Like, yeah. I'll go and read another book, Steve. But, but stuff like over the weekend, one of my one of my mates said uh, I was talking about the baby being on the flight for the first time. And what a great how great the baby was! And one of my mates was like, "Oh yeah, it's easy when you travel first class all the time." I like, didn't even think that I'm actually travelling economy the same as everyone else. Well, they academic wages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they they've got it, and that's another interesting thing I think when there is, and I don't mean ignorance in a pejorative sense, but when people don't have experience of university, yeah. for example, same comedy, they just assume that you are wealthy. Yeah. They assume that, a lot of things. Yeah. They assume yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. And do so, you have siblings, Steve? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Did they give you a hard time about being... No, no. My siblings, are. In, I think they're incredibly proud of me. Like, they just... Set, because that comes from my mum. It flows out from my mum. What do they do? So, um, brother works in a warehouse. Um, sister is currently like a mum. So, yeah. she's mm-hmm. looking after her. So, if you ever have an argument about something, they don't sort of say, did you learn that at uni? That's no, what I get all never, the time. Never, never, never. No. Everything's undermined because uh, you know, I'm some kind of... Intellectual. <laughs> Some kind of intellectual. Oh, yeah, Professor Lang. Yeah. What would you know? You're only working <laughs> I, I in disability care. Exactly, I don't have any opinions. They're all from university. Yeah. They're not mine. No, what they don't know is they're all from Twitter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. at uni, did you get interested in class? Is that what you, no, I was always experience? interested in class. Yeah, always right. interested in class. Like, I have a very um, pro union family. Um, yes, was. So, you knew you were working class? Absolutely. As yeah. a category. And, and I knew that other people hated working class people as well. Like, we were othered, definitely. Like, because of my accent, because of coming from the rough village, and people would make jokes about if you go through that village and you stop at the lights. I was like, there ain't no bloody lights. But if you stopped at the lights, you get your wheels nicked and all that. You got to lock the car right? doors yeah. Yeah. and all that. The, the village that I lived in until I was in my 20s you could leave your front door open. So mm. that like shit about it, you get stuff stolen mm. the whole time. We, I never locked my front door. Like mm. it's absolute nonsense that working class communities are dangerous. What mm. did your parents do? Um, so I was brought up by my mum pretty much in a series of absolute asshole dads that came and went um, and beat her up and beat us up and stuff. So mm. I didn't really have, that's probably why I'm interested in masculinity as well, mm. I guess. Um, so I met Steve at um, a gig basically about family violence yeah. and talking about the connection between gender roles and, and in your case, masculinity yeah. and um, family violence. And I'm fascinated about because I think one of the prevailing uh, myths about family violence is that it only happens in work class areas yeah. or it only happens in poor areas, which we know is not true, mm. but it persists even among educated people. Yeah, yeah. Oh, educated people love to say, look how bad working class people are. It mm. drives me mad. It's the mm. absolute like pinpoint thing that... that 
drives me more mad than anything else. Like working class people are the worst somehow. So let's can but. we combine your your lived experience, <laughs> as they like to say, with your um, status as an associate professor, and this is your area of research. Is working class male mascu- masculinity different to middle class masculinity? Yeah, I think it looks different. Like, but in, in Australia, I think what's interesting is that there's this idea that it's kind of similar. Like, there's a monoculture, like from. I don't know, Crocodile Dundee through to Tony Abbott somehow. Mm. There's this like, there's a few parallels, <laughs> right? Like he eats an onion, like he does this laddie mm. stuff, whatever. So in some ways there are, there are lots of similarities and then in other ways there are lots of differences. But the differences I think um, obscure, or the, the differences are cast in a way where it makes working class people look bad. Mm. But actually, it's just working class culture that's being demonised, and I think that's mm. that's really problematic. So there's more similarities than differences. Would I that be so. fair to say? So uh, that incident in the last couple of years at the um, in Sydney, one of the elite schools, you know, the, mm. the, there were the boys like doing all this misogynistic stuff, basically initiation rituals and and so on. Um, that's super middle class. Like mm. that kind of stuff happens in middle class spaces as well, but it's it's closed off to the mm. world. Whereas I think a lot of us look at like hazing and stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That kind of hazing, and also just like. Um, sexist language, sexist behaviour, like absolutely happens in those spaces. But we look to working class spaces as if that that's the exemplar of this. You know, when I was, so I used to do a show called No Means No Show, which was a show I wrote about consent and respect and whatever for teenagers. Mm. And um, I found it fascinating going to different schools. So we'd go into really, really rough schools. And even though the boys, say for the boys show, would be really boisterous, they would be by and large what I would call respectful Mm. Um, whereas a couple of the extremely elite private schools, particularly one in Canberra that I remember, um, the boys could only be described as what I would say is extraordinarily entitled. Mm. So when you got to the question time, for example, or we'd do a role play, they would literally yell out things like, I mean, you know, what would you do now? I'd rape her. You know, no, it's literally. And I always say, and I don't know, this is just my intuition, but my intuition was that a lot of working class boys have... Um, respect slash fear of their mum <laughs> and would yeah. never talk yeah. back like that. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the, the richer boys are just like, I'll do what I want. Yeah, yeah I uh, the gender politics don't cross over because of the power plays in their families. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, single mother families, I was pretty much brought up by a single mother, so I would never answer back a woman. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that's just an anecdote. Obviously, it's not evidence. Mm. Um, but it just felt like that idea when you'd be at Roxborough Park or Broadmeadows or, you know, wherever, these areas that people are, are, are you Demonized. know, supposedly yeah. frightened of. Yeah. The boys, and we're talking sometimes seven, 800 boys, teenagers, they, they didn't frighten me at all. Mm. Yeah. You know, it, what they weren't the envi- they're not the environments that I'm scared in, the, that's for sure. Like masculinity is problematic in lots of ways, right? But it's not... It's the problematic parts ain't the property of working class people. No way. Mm. Like it's it's across the class spectrum. Mm. Uh, what about but it, attitudes to homosexuality in UK compared to Australia? Ah, uh, so the, the the research is complicated, but it seems to be that we're it's getting better. Like attitudes are getting better. Young people have young people like if you just go on the basic contact hypothesis, we know most of us know someone who's gay, and then mm. therefore that makes it a lot easier. And you've so. had same-sex marriage, obviously, longer than us. Exactly. And Elton yeah. John. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah. that's what I was going to say. When I, was, when I was in the UK, there were a lot of, like, Julian 
what was his Julian name? Julian Cleary. Julian Cleary. Like, yeah. um, there's a, a tradition of television. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's still right. ultra subversive, though, and a bit out there, I think. It's take, it has taken a long time to get from mm. there to where we're at now. Yeah, yeah. And there's still but we didn't even have that. Of course. Of course. Going back to the issue of homophobia, but I think it applies to racism, misogyny, like a whole range mm. of isms mm. and obias. Um, do you, is your experience and or research, does it show that there's a difference culturally? Is there less of those things in middle class culture? I don't think so. I think they're less visible. Mm. And again, like, so on a very small level, I remember um, arriving here and watching what's your Wednesday afternoon thing called? Like question time, Prime mm. Minister's question time. Whatever. Oh and I was thinking, <laughs> what is this? Like it's, a, um, it's different to the UK, right? So you can see that the poshness of the UK version is, is really there. But there's, so there's masculinity is happening and sexism is happening in those, in those spaces. Don't talk about it enough. That's what it is. Mm. We, you know, we talk about the sexism, misogyny, the racism, especially racism of the working classes mm. because it's convenient political football. Like, I've, my theory is that the, the, the middle class is educated enough to hide it. Yeah. So, you know, when, for example, in Australia, you'll have, you may not have heard of him, but there'll be, there's people like Kyle Sandlands and there's other um, sort of working class guys in particular who are very, you know, often homophobic, often misogynist, often mm. say quite racist things. But often I think it is about, it's not that their attitudes are any different to the middle class, but they don't cover them up either mm-hmm. because they don't have the skills to or they don't care to. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes even their language is misinterpreted mm-hmm. as prejudice when, in fact, it's just um, cultural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not dressed up. It's a bit more coarse. Yeah, yeah. and, and it, I think it really is, you know, when you look at, for example, the Liberal Party in Australia, I mean, the treatment of women in that over the last couple of weeks, let alone the lack of representation of women, mm-hmm. but it would be rare that you would hear a Liberal politician say something as overtly sexist as a footballer. Yeah. But it doesn't mean they're any less sexist. They just what, know what better than to say the, it. The chappy that shouted out, you stop shagging men then. Is he, is oh, he national? Oh, party, he's a whole he? other... He's yeah, he's an outlier. Linehelm. One, yeah. one Nation? No, he, one he, nation? he was. He's, a, he's an independent. Not the Reason Party. That's That was the former sex party. Oh, yeah, okay. No, no, but he's, he's, he's a maverick. Right. Um, but he—that's th- an exam. That's a rare example. But that doesn't mean those views aren't held. I think. Oh yeah, that is a rare example. What have you observed between the difference between classes in Australia and England? Mm. Like, I think it's more over. Uh, one of the things I haven't got my head around yet is accents. Actually, I can't <coughs> can't quite pin what a working class I, accent sounds like here. Mm. Who can? Um, I don't know anyone. Well, who can. Oh, I can. Oh, you can. You... Of course, you can. Yeah. What do you sound like? You're from Perth. No, but you can tell if you meet someone. I mean, class access. You can yes, you oh, can place their region, class. Though. Oh, not sometimes regional. Queenslanders, you sometimes can. Yeah, but yeah. that's more off because they say a on the end. Yeah, a. Yeah, <laughs> but you. This is the difference between say um, a David Ma, who you may or may not have come across, but I love David Ma. But he speaks like he just stepped out of Sydney Boys Private School. Yeah, like he's. I well, like Malcolm Turnbull. Very well spoken. Yeah, compared to who's a rough voice in the media? Dave O'Neill. Dave O'Neill, for example, who (laughs) speaks like this, like he's just had a sausage. Um, Does he put that on? Does he talk like that all the time? Me, yes. No, I don't put it on. But yeah, yeah. Carl Barron, for example. He's very working class in his voice. He's a comedian. Oh, yeah, yeah, he he's a Queenslander. And he's got that real slow drawl. Yeah, right. That yeah. real... But you're right. Sometimes you'll meet, you'll meet absolute bogans 
like which is a sometimes a derogation for working class people. I meet them at gigs, and I met this guy. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, he's a girl. I've got like a pig farm and that. And I go, I'll how the fuck go. are you? I always, I always get down the bottom. I go, what? Oh, you grew up around here. What school did you go to? He goes, Yarra Valley Grammar. <laughs> uh, he goes, my dad was one of the ones that started it. Now Yarra Valley Grammar is like a school in the outer suburbs of Melbourne that is was the posh school in my area, but you would never have picked him. As going to a school like yeah, that. Yeah, you can't always pick no, it. Did no. you think you were going to come to Australia and it would be classless or did you know enough to know that that was bullshit? No, I guess that would be bullshit. I know, I know it's uh, the, the same in, in America in some ways. Obviously, America has yeah. much more pronounced class distinctions, but they say, you know, what do you call it here? The land of the fair go, yeah. right? And then and it, versus the American dream, whatever. People can achieve whatever they want to achieve. Yeah. Class doesn't hold you back. I knew that was nonsense. What yeah. about you in-laws? And so you married an Australian girl, is yeah. this correct? yeah. So what sort of background is she? So they're, they're migrants. So they're Turkish migrants. Oh, okay. uh, came to Australia 30 that's, years that's ago. That's a whole That's a whole different again. thing, isn't mm. it? Because they have... I used to work with Kate Lambrook, who was a Dutch immigrant. Her parents were Dutch immigrants. And she said they, they, they're working class. You meet the parents and you go, you're, you're working class. But they had they they were told they told their kids, we moved to a new land. We can be any class we want to be, that mm. kind of thing. And they really valued education as well. Yes, yes. That's, that's quite common. I think um, the, the research literature shows in England as well when people arrive, when migrants arrive, they, they try and get their kids plugged into education in the best oh, way yeah. possible. Yeah. Oh. It's very common. My dad actively discouraged me from going to uni. Did he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Mike. Like, yeah. sure, this, this job's not good enough for you. It's good yeah. enough for me. <laughs> Mine were, were I, I wouldn't say they were thrilled. Yeah, right. Like, I think that it, there's definitely a light, but why would, like, you could get a job at the bank. Mm. Yeah. I had a job at the mushroom farm. It was good enough for Dad. It should have been good enough for me. I was offered manager at Big Rooster, mate. Oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Things we could have done. <laughs> but your you immigrant know, families in Australia, you notice in the, the selective schools, the government schools are full of immigrant families, kids. Mm. Like yeah, yeah, I grew up, yeah, it was yeah. all the Greek and Italians at Melbourne High. And now they're all Chinese, Indian uh, families. So a taxi driver that I met the other night, and we got talking about um, education. So long story short, he literally drives 100 hours a week so that he can pay for his three children to go to a private school. Uh, You can imagine how expensive having three Mm. kids at private school is. And to the point where this guy lives in his shed so he can Airbnb out his house wow. to students to pay for these. Fees. Lost his marriage over how much he worked. And then I said to him, so how did your oldest son who just graduated do? And he, he got like a terrible ATAR score. And I'm like, so do you think it was worth it? Mm. Oh, yeah, no, it's definitely worth it. Like that's you meet a different sort of person, uh, he said. Who makes you feel shit about yourself. Yeah, <laughs> who makes you feel shit about I grew up in a shed. <laughs> but I felt actually really sorry for him. Yeah, I yeah. thought he's so trying, like he's trying to give his kids, quote, unquote, better life. And he's misguided, though. I think misguided, but working himself to the bone to try and give them this opportunity. Imagine the pressure on them too. Oh, yeah, massive. Yeah. But I guess that's quite a common story. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, my, my in-laws don't quite have the same story. But, um, yeah, I think it is a common story in terms of, like, migrant families giving, wanting to give their kids the opportunity to do as well as they can and encouraging yeah. education in a way that perhaps the indigenous, well, not the indigenous, the colonizers, <laughs> uh, the, the white people's, um, yeah, parents probably don't. No, but isn't there a part of there's a little bit unconsciously I reckon with the with the white families of kind of going oh we'll be right we'll be right yeah we've been all right so far we've been all right so <laughs> far whereas the 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 immigrant goes well you would probably come from somewhere where 
situation was difficult. That's why we've come here. Plus, we know we're outsiders in a new land. Yeah. Um, we need we need more. Yeah, yeah we need, you can't rest on your laurels. No. So what are you looking at at the moment? What are you researching at the moment? What's your area of... Uh, drinking, funny enough. Men, drinking? Yeah, men and drinking. Difference between regional and um, metro locations and the, the wow. relationship between masculinity, drinking and... What have you uh, found? Beer is popular with the working class? Yeah, beer is popular. Yeah. Full stop. And again, this kind of feeds into some of the stuff I was saying. Like these things are not the property of the working classes. Middle class people drink. Come oh. on. Middle, middle class people drink. Oh. Parents at my school, we were very middle class. <laughs> They're all on the wine. Absolutely. Line, craft beer. Craft beer. A bit of craft yeah. beer. But there's a there's a stereotype, isn't there? Like, uh, you know, we know what we're going to find here. It's going to be working class lads drinking slabs of beer. Mm. And now the slabs of beer stuff does come up. Of course it yeah. does. Mm. But the middle class people drink tons as well. Like, without mm. question. It's oh, just... then I think the most re- one of the most ridiculous stereotypes in Australia is about Aboriginal people and drinking. You know, drinking in the park, for example. Mm. And I've literally been at dinner parties <laughs> where people were hammered but on expensive wine or mm. on spirits, talking about the problem of Indigenous drinking. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look around the table. Yeah. There's generational differences. Though. This guy in a footy club told me, yeah, we go on this big footy trip. And you tell when the old blokes turn up, because I look in the store, or look in the minibus, it's just VB and Carlton, and the bloody young blokes turn up, and it's all this shit cider and drinking <laughs> beers. And... <laughs> but it's funny how that craft beer has reached the masses now. Yeah. Mm. All, all mm. ciders are big here now. Yeah. yeah. And masculinity is, uh, is uh, different these days as well. So, as you said, like young lads will drink that stuff. Whereas 15, 20 years ago, oh, they might have been frightened away from it by definitely. men of the older generation. So, definitely. are young working class guys, you know, able to embrace, if that's the right word, craft beer and also, I don't know, moisturizer for the face <laughs> and, you know, seeing your children occasionally? Does this mean that they are dropping the constraints of masculinity or are they just changing? Yeah, I think it's changing. Yeah, yeah. different. The metrosexual. Um, like some, some of it's, I don't think it's really positive. There are loads of changes, but they don't have necessarily a proper like structural effect. Like so misogyny is still rampant in not, not everyone, of course, and don't want to go down hashtag not all men, but... Um, Misogyny is still present, homophobia is still present, and yet there's been a transformation of the way that men express their masculinity. And also involvement with children, with their own children. Mm -hmm. I reckon there's a lot more men, even in every area that I go to, there's more men involved with their kids than our parents. Our dads are involved with us, I reckon. So when you stay home with the kids, is it babysitting? No, we can't (laughs) say that. (laughs) Give yourself a slap on the wrist. I had friends say that, that. I am babysitting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my kids. We're not babysitting, (laughs) You know, but, and I, but I do wonder, do we have to be careful not to, you know, anecdotes, not evidence? Because I know you're yeah. an extremely hands-on dad. and and But not the evidence shows that most aren't. Like, even for all of the changes, these women are still doing, yeah. you know, the, the line It's cosmetic, share. yeah. We call it the stalled revolution. Like, about the end of the 90s, beginning of the 2000s, just plateaued. Yeah. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So there's been, like, since the end of the 80s, there was... Um, yeah, this transformation was ongoing. So women were going into the workplace, required more hands-on yes. approaches among men, among working-class men as well. That's the interesting mm. thing. Who's who's more likely to need two people in a at work? It's working-class families. Isn't uh. this the great irony of the of some of the feminist discussions? Has been like every woman I know has worked while they had children. Because yeah. if you're from working-class family, yeah. you need two Absolutely. incomes. Yeah. So this is new to the middle classes. Yeah. Women it's, working. There's a comedian Steve Hughes who's really interesting. Who does a routine about that? About how he's working class, and he's he said that how women have bought this dream of going back to work, and you know getting their kids into childcare, 
And he said it's a it's a false dream or something. He goes, you should watch his routine. You'd find it interesting, I reckon. It's a false dream. There was a great, um, I can't remember her name. She doesn't do stand-up anymore, but she did a, a, a similar thing where she went, oh, why did you have to tell everyone? Now I have to go back to work. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, but do you think um, that stuff in the working class, is that changing? Are we getting more acknowledgement of gender roles and parenting or is it stalled? So I think it's, it had stalled, but there are constant transformations. So, but it's just so incremental that sometimes mm. it doesn't look like any progress is being made at all. But um, so in terms of class, I think what's important is that we recognize that middle class men, like they seem to be the ones that are hands on. And when you see the, the photos of people like pushing mm. the pram or whatever, it's like someone holding a latte and like straight and a $1,500 pram. Yeah, that kind mm. of stuff. So it has a particular image of class, but that's like builds into the, the myth, I think, because Actually, what the research shows us is that middle-class men, um, they call it spoken egalitarianism, mm. and then, but working-class men may not speak in egalitarian ways, but they act in egalitarian ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 you know, whether you call it help out or actually share, like share the load, they do more of that stuff because they have to. We've talked yeah. about this a lot, haven't we, on the podcast in terms of the difference between doing and saying. Yeah. So where, for example, and this does happen, where you have working-class relatives or whatever who will say things that are homophobic or mm. will use a word that's racist who are far more likely to give you the shirt off their back, but your kind of, you know, educated middle class who will say all the right things, mm. but you go, actually, this person needs some help and they're less likely to open the door. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, that, I'm massively generalising, but there is a real disconnect between behaviour and, and yeah, belief. You are generalising in a way, but also in other ways, only the same as what middle class people do about working class people. You know, that they're racist, that they're homophobic, that they're sexist, that they're the the kind of um, location of all this bad stuff that's happening. And actually, what about pride and dignity and sacrifice? Mm. They're working class characteristics as far as I can remember and from what I've you know, researched as well. Mm. Yeah, I was tormented for being a sissy until I came out as gay and then nobody gave me a hard time at all. <laughs> yeah, but then people find you confusing because you're an openly gay man but you sound working class and people go, what? Are you gay? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Gayer than Christmas, man. But you're not camp, and that's no, what people camp. associate what, what, with being gay. Working class gay men are really interesting. I used to work as a cleaner, and there was a few working class gay guys, and they were like tough. Oh, yeah, really Ian Roberts. Like Ian Roberts. Yeah. If you don't know who Ian Roberts is, you should look him up because he came out in the mid-90s, I think. He's a rugby player from oh, New yeah, South yeah, Wales. Yeah, no, yeah. And he his kind of thing was basically, if you're going to come at me, you best be prepared. Mm. You know, like he yeah. became he uber, yeah. uber masculine, aggressive, but he doesn't fit the stereotype, the middle class effeminate stereotype yeah, yeah. of being gay. Yeah. You're not tough though, Shane. Oh, says you. Yeah. I could take you easy. I know, I know plenty of gay guys that are super tough, and I know plenty of yeah. gay guys that are like the stereotype of being someone. Oh, don't who's a challenge feminine, the stereotype. But the spectrum, Steve. right? It's the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just interesting that you know, talking about actions and words. Like, yeah. I was really tormented for being because I didn't want to play sport. But that's the thing: straight, straight boys are gender policed. Gay mm. boys are not. They're like mm. almost they're conforming to their own type. When you when we know that boys mm. are gay, so they probably. I want to say get less bullied because obviously mm. some kids do get homophobically bullied as well. Yeah. Um, and we're going to wrap up. I can see Dave O'Neill, no, the king of his watch. No, yeah, we should wrap it he up. He needs his nap. But I have to ask this before we go. And sorry to put you on the spot because I know this is not a normal thing that academics would answer. But you've got a 14-week-old baby. Yeah. You're a working-class boy, but yeah. you're obviously socially mobile, whatever we want to call it. You're yeah. into gender. How's your gender 
redistribution <laughs> of roles in your house going? So, Have you talked about it? Yeah, but not not in a way where we've negotiated. We don't say like you do this, I do this. Like we're a team. I think we're a t- we're a team and we share as much as possible. But having said that, even for someone who's like you know pro equality, um, I can see there are times when I can't get the balance right and it's terrible. Or like you know she's taken a few photos of me falling asleep when I'm supposed to be looking after the baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, Did she put it on Instagram? Uh, she put it on Facebook. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> but I think it's important to be honest about this stuff. Yeah. Like my partner's also an academic. We're both gender studies trained. We're you know communist to feministers. We don't have it right. Mm. Like there's no way it's, it's equal. It's difficult. It is. Uh, and as I said, I said to my wife, I can't breastfeed. <laughs> I would if I could, but you'll have to do that bit. You could give it, it a crack. Punch me in the head. Well, men can't. Yeah, if you joked about that, I would literally deck you. (laughs) Seriously, that's making me feel violent. You can bottle feed anyway. Yeah, well, true. That's right. Wife wife can or partner can express and then you can bottle feed. So that's what we do in our house. That's right. Oh, look at you. Good man. Are you having more kids though? More kids? Are you kidding me? Oh, his shop's closed. I've had a snip. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) Take a miracle to have more children. No, but I know there's plenty of guys my age that do leave their wives and find a new wife. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not, not doing yet. that. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Too lazy. Too, too in love. Oh, Dave. In love. Did I say you, in love? You're digging such a deep hole. It's <laughs> a whole other story of masculinity <laughs> right there. I think you've got to wind it up now. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, to the professor, as we will now call you. Will you come back and talk to us later? Because we've got more questions. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You should yeah. write a book. Have you written a book yet? He or? has. <laughs> So your book is called Young Working Class Men in Transition. Oh, okay. Routledge. Hello. For those of you, I think we do have a number of academics who probably listen to our podcast, don't you reckon? They'll know Routledge. Routledge, that's a big deal. Yeah, we have lots of academics, I'm sure. Yeah. And shall we say, which is um, not traditional in the middle class, but we are going we make a tradition of it on our podcast. We're very proud of you. Well done. Uh, yeah, well thanks. Done. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for talking to us. Yeah. yeah yes. And, All right. And make sure you subscribe and give us a good review, as some people have done. And next week, we've got no idea what we're doing. No, but it's something. It'll be something. Yeah, something, mate. Don't worry about it. All right. Bye, All Dave right. O'Neill. See you later. And well, I'm Nellie Thomas. Goodbye. See you, Steve. Bye. Thank you.